How many love a good story? I love stories because part of the joy of stories is the opportunity to, to feel along, to participate in the story. Have, how many of you have watched a movie and gotten misty-eyed? Okay, a few of us. How many have read a story and gotten a little verklempt? Okay, you should, Eric Sharpstein is raising his hand. He's like, I know all about... It's so great because in our family, we love stories. We love to read stories. And Rachel, because like we homeschool and the curriculum we use is story-based, so we're always reading stories. And it's always great because as you get to the end of the book, there's this moment of anticipation that we all have as Rachel reads the book, and that is to watch the waterworks. Because as she reads the stories, it comes to its great conclusion. There's that moment where the heartstrings get tugged and inv invariably Rachel will sit there and her eyes will just start leaking. And she's like, it's so beautiful. And it's great. And, and, and what stories do? Stories are this amazing part of what it means to be human. Did you know that in all cultures we tell stories? Like in every culture, it doesn't matter where you are. It's not just about facts. How many know facts can be boring? But stories are exciting, right? Sometimes you just hear the facts and you hear the numbers and it just kind of goes by. But once you hear a story, there, there, there's a leaning in. And, and part of that leaning in is because within a story, it's an invitation for you and me to participate in something that's bigger than us. But not only do we participate in it, we, we, we sometimes begin to, to take our place within the story and we begin to feel it. This is why as Jesus begins to teach his followers... He begins to say, hey guys, I'm going to just share stories with you and, and stories with purpose. And we call these stories parables. And a parable is simply a, a story that has a message uh, connected to it. And, and they're to help us better understand the world we're a part of. To, to help us understand, to, to better understand what God is up to and what God, uh, what God is up to and what He is doing in our world. Last week, as we began our series, we, we looked at the parable of the sower. We talked about improving our, our hearing, and as we looked at that, we saw that, that what God wants to do, what the, what the kingdom of God's purpose of moving and working, is that you and I might begin to experience a harvest, and that we might experience an abundance, an abundance of righteousness, peace, and joy. And we talked about that, that if our hearing and, and, and the organ for our hearing for us as humans is actually our heart, that if our heart is in the right place, we can begin to hear what it is God is saying to us. And as we allow that word to settle into our hearts and become manifest in our lives, all of a sudden we get to experience something better and greater than, than our own selves. Last week we talked about how the productivity of our faith is connected to our receptivity of his word. Well, today as we, we look at the next story of Jesus, and, and really the, the story we're going to look at takes place, the parable takes place immediately following the parable of the sower. Now what's great about Matthew chapter 13 is, is um, Matthew is stacking stories. He's stacking these parables of Jesus, and so he's going to start with the parable of the sower. And then he's going to do the parable of the wheat and the weeds. And then after that he's going to put the parable of the mustard seed. And, and many of you, you're familiar with the parable of the mustard seed. That's where it's like the smallest seed produces the biggest plant in the garden that, that, that even the birds settle in its branches. And, and then he's going to tell the parable about the leaven and about the, the woman who's kneading bread and, and, and the yeast or the leaven gets worked into the bread and it begins to rise throughout the entire loaf. Well, then after he, he does that, he's going to explain the story of the weeds and then he's going to tell two more quick parables. One is the parable of the treasure, the man who sells everything he has to, take, to, to buy the field with the buried treasure in it. And then the second one after that is the dragnet. And, and so there's this stacking of stories because what Jesus wants his followers to understand is what the kingdom of God is like. And rather than just, just telling you about facts of the kingdom, he's trying to help you understand what it's like so that you can step into it and you can begin to feel and sense the, the magnitude of what this kingdom is. And so today, as my message is simply entitled, Dealing with Weeds. And um, the big idea we're going to come around to, and this is where we're going to settle, and this is a great idea. Now, I, just, I have to apologize on the front end. Uh, Pastor Dwayne, he does a whole bunch of fun stuff for us that I just, I'm a little slow on or I don't always get done. One of that is the notes 
in the Bible app. Some of you might be at your Bible app going, where are the notes? Where are the notes? And I just apologize. There are no notes on the Bible app. You will see notes go up on the screen as we go, uh, but there are no notes in the Bible app. If you're so devastated that I don't have the notes, if you fill out a connection card and just say, hey, I'd love the notes and give me your email, I will email you my notes. But I think the idea in this message is super important. The idea in the story of the wheat and weeds is incredibly important. So if you're going to write down nothing else, I want you to write down the key point. Take out your phone, get a note going, and just write down this point. Because I think you need to know this, that, that in this world that we're a part of, in, in understanding what the kingdom of God is doing, we need to understand this. That the power in us is greater than the power against us. I want to say this again. The power in us is greater than the power against us. This is going to be the idea that's going to come out of the parable of the wheat and the weeds. I want you to help me this morning. Everybody read this with me because this is so good. You need, a, you not, need to allow this idea to drop into your heart. This is something you need to understand as, as you process the stuff that's going on in your world. The message of this parable you need to carry with you. Okay, so let's all read this together. The power in us is greater than the power against us. Say it again. The power in us is greater than the power against us. Anybody here ever have those moments where you feel like there are things against you? You ever feel that culture's against you? You, you ever feel like, oh my goodness, my finances and, and, and all these things, man, it's just like all this stuff is against me. Sometimes you feel like your spouse is against you. Sometimes you feel that the place that you're working is against you. And what, we, what happens is when we, when we experience this opposition, it begins to impact the way we act, the way we react, and the way we interact. And this is why we need to understand that the power in us is greater than the power against us. Now, as we look at our parable, again, Matthew has stacked these stories. He's just told the parable of the sower. Saying, guys, you, you, need to have a, you need to have a heart, you need to have an ear that hears what, what's going on. Deeper than just the, 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 the cadence or the details of the story, you need to understand the underlying message. And in the parable of the sower, again, it's, hey, we got to make sure our heart is in the right place so we can hear from God. But then he tells this parable. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the whole parable, and then a few uh, verses later, he ends up giving the interpretation of the parable. So I'm going to read it in its entirety. And this is how it begins. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. He sowed good seed. Everybody say good seed. So what did he sow? Good seed. How many know when we sow good seed, what is our expectation? A good harvest. Like if we sow good, we should get... Good. That's why some of you, you get so frustrated because you're like, I'm doing the good thing and then the good thing's not happening back. So the good seed is sown in the field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. And when the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. Now the owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did all the weeds come from? Now, what I love is I love questions. How many know that questions provide a pathway for discovery? I don't know if you know this or not, but, but throughout the Bible, God uses questions to help move people forward in their faith, to help them better understand who they are, what they're wrestling with, in order that they might move forward. I think it's, the irony is simply this. The God who knows everything asks questions. 
And the reason he asks questions is it's not so that he can know or because he's looking for an answer. It's because he understands that if we are going to grow, if we're going to become wise, if we're going to become the people he wants us to be, then we actually have to learn to wrestle with questions. And so this parable surfaces this question that the, that the, the servants uh, ask, which is simply, again, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? If everything's good, why are we dealing with weeds? God, if your kingdom is at work, why do we deal with all these difficulties? In verse 28, he replies by saying, an enemy did this. And the servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered. Because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let them both grow together until the harvest. Everybody say, until the harvest. At that time, I love this, at that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds, and then tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. That's the story. How many think that's a pretty interesting story? How many think you can begin to see some of the meaning and ideas within the story? Well, the good news is this. There are a couple parables or a few parables that when Jesus tells the parables, he'll tell them to the crowds, but then when he gets alone with his disciples, his followers, he says, guys, now I want to, I'm going to explain this to you. And just as he explained the parable of the sower, so he's going to explain this one. So a few verses down, beginning at verse 36, it says, then he left the crowd, Jesus left the crowd and went into the house. And his disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. And he answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. Okay, this is important. The field is the world. Okay. Jesus is trying to help people understand the world that we're a part of. How many know that everybody has a conception of what the world is like? It's called a worldview. And there's lots of things that influence our, our worldview, our upbringing, um, and some of the stories we've been taught and told. They shape the way, we the way we perceive the world. And so Jesus is saying, listen, I, I want to kind of help shape you because if you're my follower, you need to have a certain kind of worldview. The field where this seed is sown is the world. This is a part of the world you're a part of. What we're going to learn from this story is just part of the, uh, of the world we're a part of, and it needs to influence the way we act and interact within our world. And he goes on to say um, that the field is the world. i got to find my spot. Oh, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. So Jesus is kind of filling in the details of the story. This is what's going on. And then verse 40, he, he begins to explain a little bit further and says this, As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out His angels and they will weed out of His kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of the Father. Whoever has ears, let them 
Okay, so this, I think, is just an amazing little story. It's something that, 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 that causes us to stop and ponder and, and kind of wrestle with. Now, I think the reason Jesus is telling this story is because he's trying to help his disciples, his followers, understand the world that they're a part of and what it is that's going to happen even as, time, as they move through time. How many know that as beings we wrestle with expectations? What we expect is going to happen. Again, the, the, the story starts out that, that the, he sows good seed. And the good seed then should bring a good harvest. Yet, yet sometimes we do the good thing and we're doing the right thing, but we don't get the right thing back. And, and sometimes we become frustrated. And, and sometimes we just like, why even keep trying? You ever have those moments where you just want to give up? Like, like wh why should I love this person like Jesus says? I'm ready to give them a piece of my mind. You been in that? How, did that happen this week for you, Mackenzie? That was last week. It happens, though, doesn't it? You're like going, oh, my goodness. I'm just like going, why am I biting my tongue? They just need to hear what's going on. They need to know how I feel. We're watching justice play out, and we're just like going to it. It's not even right. And sometimes we can even become cynical against faith, cynical against God. Does it even matter? Because we have expectations, and our expectations is if it's a good God, then the good God should be doing good things. But, but in our world we watch, and there's not good things, so, so obviously there mustn't be a good God. We wrestle with these things. And Jesus is saying, hey guys, I just want to talk. My followers. I want you to understand the world that you're a part of. That the world is the field and, and there's this good seed that, that's going out and, and you know, you're, you're going to have expectations that it's going to be like this, but I just want, I want to prepare you that you might have some experiences that are a lot less than what you're expecting. Now, now as I work with people, one of the things that I notice is that you, you come to a marriage. How many know you come to marriage with certain expectations? You, you, come, you come to marriage thinking, you know what, that this person is going to make me happy. How many know marriage doesn't make people happy. Don't raise your hand. Don't, oh, you're, you're, your spouse isn't here, so it's okay. All these, you know, all these guys are like, oh, yeah, I'm not raising my one. Okay, I, I heard it said that, that, that marriage doesn't fix things, it just amplifies things. That, that's all marriage does. Marriage has a way of making problems bigger, right? So if you guys are just starting out, good luck. I'm just kidding. <laughs> But we come with expectations, and then we have this experience. And what happens is this, is the greater the gap between our expectation and our experience, the greater dissonance we feel. The, 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 the greater frustration we feel. And Jesus is like, guys, listen, I want you to understand, you're my followers, and you're following me in this world. You need to make sure you have the right kind of expectations about what the kingdom of God is like. He tells his parable. Now, I want to note three quick things of premises that Jesus outlines for his followers in this to help you and me manage and wrestle with some of these expectations. And the first thing I want to note is this, is that Jesus wants his followers to understand that the kingdom of God is powerful. The kingdom of God is powerful. And, 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 and you see this in this idea of the seed. How many know seeds are powerful? How many of you are just simply amazed where things can grow? All right? So, like, I've, I've watched this. I think this is so fun. Sometimes, have you ever seen, like, gutters? You know, gutters, like the things that are off of roofs? Every once in a while, you'll see there's a tree starting to grow up from a gutter. Because the seed is powerful. But if the conditions are right, man, that's, that thing will just all of a sudden start to grow. It'll start to put roots down. It'll start to send shoots up. 
Man, it happens all over. You, you can go and you can, you can go to the mountains and you'll see like there's these cliff faces. And then right in the middle of this cliff, there'll be a tree sticking out because some little seed got into a crack and there was enough, there was enough soil and there was enough light and there was enough you know, moisture that all of a sudden there's a tree that's growing out of a rock. Seeds are powerful. And Jesus wants his followers to know that the kingdom of God is like a seed, not just any seed, it is a good seed. And the idea of good there is if you remember the Garden of Eden when God made things, at the end of every day, what was it that God said about the thing that he had done? He says, it is good that when God plants a seed, it is a good seed and it is going to produce a good harvest, that the kingdom of God is like a seed and these seeds are are powerful. And even though they may start small, they don't stay small. And this is why he, 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 he puts in, you know, Matthew puts in right after the parable of the weeds, he, he tells this, the, the, the story or he tells the parable of the mustard seed. He's like, guys, listen, look how small it is. Like in your hand, you got a mustard seed that is so small, but you put that thing in the ground and it becomes the biggest plant in the garden, and the birds are landing in it. Like, this is what the kingdom of God is like. It may start small, but it isn't going to end small. Then the second parable he tells is of the leaven. He's like, listen, when you put leaven in a loaf, it impacts the entire loaf. Like when you think about bread, when you, when you put yeast in the bread, it, it, it causes the whole thing. When you knead it in and you work the yeast in and all that stuff and flour and you put it together, all of a sudden the whole thing starts to grow. It's the parable of the mustard seed that reminds us it may start small, but its end is very different from the beginning. And the parable of the leaven reminds us that the kingdom of God Wherever it is, it will have an impact on the environment around it. I want you to know what the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is powerful. It'll change an individual. It will change a family. It may seem like it's starting small, but if, if you attend to that thing, listen, the kingdom of God is Powerful. It doesn't matter what your history is. It doesn't matter about the, the, the things you think, well, I'm not worthy. I'm all these. Listen, the kingdom of God is powerful. Once it is set in motion, it will make an impact. It will grow, and its influence will affect everything touched by it. Jesus is like, guys, listen, as I tell the parable of the weeds and wheat, understand the kingdom of God is powerful. He also notes this, though, that there is also a power that opposes God's purpose. The inevitability of the kingdom, that it will grow, that it will influence, does not mean that there won't be challenge or difficulty. And this is why we have the parable of the weeds and wheat. It says that his enemy came along and sowed among the wheat. Now, you may not realize this, but this was actually a legitimate concern in Jesus' day. So much so that the Roman Empire passed a law because what people would do is in order to, to overcome, to defeat, to, to ruin someone's life, they would sow wheat. I mean, sow weeds among their harvest. Now, in our day, many of us, we just, we're just hobby farmers, or maybe we're gardeners. Well, we do it for fun. We like the fresh tomatoes and the cucumbers, and maybe we make some stuff out of it. But, but for us, it's not, an, it's not always a matter of necessity. Yet for the farmers, it's the way they live. And if their harvest is corrupted, not only do they lose the harvest, but they lose the future. That when the weeds are sown, they, they, they're sown to, to destroy, they're, they're sown to ruin. And, and Jesus is like, guys, listen, in this world that we're a part of, 
There are seeds that are being sown that are sown with the intention to wreck and ruin. This is why when Jesus in John says this, the thief comes but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. You know what the enemy's desire is for every human life? For every person whose life, whose, whose being reflects the image of God, the enemy wants to destroy it. He wants to rob people's futures. He wants to rob their harvest. He wants to make their life lit, to be lived in such a way that it never reflects the purpose God intends. And Jesus is like, listen, there is a very real sower of chaos and weeds in the world you're a part of. You see, Jesus wants his followers to understand that the kingdom is powerful. Yet there's also an enemy that wants to sabotage, sabotage and ruin God's work. Now in our in the message last week, is we looked at weeds because we found out there were weeds, and, and the weeds that he was talking about were actually internal weeds. If you remember the seed that was sown on you know, the path, and it was taken, and it was sown in the shallow soil, and then it didn't get roots, and so you know, it, rot, it, it died in the sun or in the pressure, and then there was the seeds that, you know, as it grew up, there were these thorns, and there was these weeds that grew around it and choked it out. And Jesus said, those kind of weeds, those are the things that are like, you know, the, the worries of this world. How many know that our worries are our worries? You ever notice that? Not everybody is worried about what you're worried about. Some of you like to share your worries with others, hoping that they will worry about what you worry about. Because our worries are our worries. They're our internal stuff. So some of us, were bothered by certain things, while other people, they look at it and go like, what is wrong with you? Because our worries are our worries. They are inside of us. And then he talks about wealth being a deceitful desire. How many know that our desires are in us? We don't all desire the same things. And so the weeds he was talking about in the parable of the sower are actually internal. In the parable of the weeds and wheat, the weeds that we're talking about here are weeds that are actually outside of us. He even talks about it as, hey, you know what, there's some people in your life. You're going to run into people in your life that in a sense have been sown to rob your future. It's kind of an interesting idea. Because how many know that our world is influenced by what is sown? Ideas get sown and it affects what people see, how they perceive, and how they act and how they interact. And some people, in the midst of hearing the stuff of the world, they become malicious, they become vindictive, and they can be harmful and hurtful people. Have you ever met someone who's been intentionally, who intentionally seeks to harm people? You've met those people. But how many know there's a lot of people who, who can hurt just because they're not necessarily malicious, they're just naive? They've accepted the lie, the culture, and they just live it out. And sometimes our lives get wrecked by the difficulties around us. And many times these difficulties show up as people. And Jesus is like, guys, I want you to understand that the kingdom of God is powerful, but as, it, as this seed begins to grow, there's going to be times where you are going to experience people and you're going to experience interactions in your life where all of a sudden that it's going to be, it's going to be something that you're going to bump up against. And instead of experiencing what it would seem like goodness in this moment, all of a sudden you're dealing with difficulty. And you may begin to wonder, where is the good fruit? Where is it? Good seed has been sown. But you know what I have to deal with? And Jesus wants his people to know, listen, that there's a very real enemy who seeks to influence the ideas and schemes of, of others. And Jesus shares this. Not so that his followers would despair, but so that they would be aware. You see, even though the kingdom of God is powerful and inevitable, it does not mean there won't be challenge or difficulty. And that if we're going to produce the harvest God wants us to, then you know what? We have to learn to deal with weeds. Okay, third thing. 
So the first idea is that the kingdom of God is powerful. Secondly, there is a power that opposes uh, God's purpose. And thirdly, the kingdom of God will ultimately prevail. And this is what we need to understand. That the, the kingdom of God will ultim ultimately prevail. I love the owner servants in the story. Do you want us to go and pull them up? Do you, do you want us to, to go down and pull up the weeds and just get them out of their life? And the owner of the field says no. Okay, so this is where I begin to have some dissonance because I don't know how you pray. I know how I pray. God, so-and-so is being a problem. Move that problem on. Can I get a witness? And how's that? We pray that way, don't we? Lord, just take this problem away. And the master says, you know what? No, don't take it away. You see, what would happen as, as, as weeds would be sown among the wheat is that as they would begin, they would begin to resemble the wheat in its early stages. It would only be through time that you would actually be able to distinguish between the two. And, and, and within this, there's this whole idea of that fruitfulness requires time and, and that, you know, it, it takes time to, to really know, to understand. But, but as, as we look at this idea that the kingdom of God will ultimately prevail, there are two things that Jesus, I think, is hammering home for his followers. First is this, is that God places great confidence in the seed. I want you to hear this. God places confidence in the seed. It will grow even though the enemy is trying to sabotage the harvest because it's a good seed. It's a powerful seed. God's confidence is in the seed, not the circumstances. And you and I need to understand that what God has begun in our hearts is way more powerful and profound than you and I imagine. The capacity of God to work in and through our lives and to bring about an abundant harvest is far greater than we actually give it credit for. God places confidence in the seed. His kingdom is both powerful and enduring. And it is greater than the difficulties you and I face. And Jesus wants his followers to understand, hey guys, listen, understand, there are things that are going to be sown that are going to try and trip you up, but I want you to know that, you know what, you're still the wheat, and the wheat is going to grow. Because the seed is powerful. God places confidence in the seed. Secondly, that God knows that there is going to be a time of sorting. There will be a harvest at the end of the age. The idea of the end of the age, as we find throughout the Bible, is, is this idea that there will be a time of divine judgment when everyone, whether they believe in God or not, will stand before their Creator and give an account for their life. Everyone. God knows that. God knows that there is a sorting that's coming. That the wheat and the weeds will be separated. It is important for us to understand that God will deal with every injustice and every sin and He will right every wrong. Nobody gets away with it. Have you ever despaired because you thought to yourself, well, they've just gotten away with it? Please understand, nobody gets away with anything because ultimately we give an account before God.
Now, the reason that Jesus came is so that you and I wouldn't have to fear judgment. Because how many of you feel a little like, going, oh my goodness, I have to give an account for my life? How many of you got stuff in your past? You're like going, oh. It's not the stuff, it's the stuff you don't share with other people, and it's the stuff you wish never comes out. The reason Jesus came was to take the penalty for that sin upon himself so that we don't have to bear it anymore. This is the purpose of the gospel, to rescue us from the power of sin in order that we might live the life we were created for. He came so that we wouldn't have to fear judgment. See, see Jesus is like, guys, the, the reason I'm telling you this story is because what you need to understand is that the seed is powerful. There will be opposition, but ultimately, in the end, please understand, the kingdom of God will prevail. This is why I said earlier, the power in us is greater than the power against us. The power in us. If you've come to faith in Christ Jesus, the kingdom of God has been placed within you. And that which is in you is greater than anything that will ever be against you. It's the confidence that Paul writes about in Romans chapter 8. So I'm going to flip up my glasses to read. You go blurry, words become clear. It's a great trick. Romans 8.31 says this, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus died. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us then from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword Verse 37 says this, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because the power in us is greater than the power against us. What's opposing you? Where, where, where is it that, that you're wrestling? Where are those places in your life like, you're know, like, oh my goodness, I, I'm just fighting. And sometimes you begin to react out of that, that, that opposition. And sometimes you're, you're seeking to defend yourself or you're doing all these different things and, and that battle is affecting your, your attitude. It's affecting your actions, your interactions. You're like going, I just, uh, I want you to know the power that is in you is greater than the power that is against you. And if we're going to flourish, if we're going to, listen, this kingdom life God's given us, he says, listen, Jesus says, guys, listen, you got to learn how to deal with the weeds. You have to learn to deal with the opposition and the difficulty. Instead of getting buried underneath it, you need to figure out, hey, how do I begin to grow through it? So how to do it. Where's Rachel? Rachel's going to play piano. You can, yeah, you, Rachel, you just go play. Because that'll make me close faster. <laughs> now you know it's closing because the music's coming. Okay, three really quick things, strategies. You don't have to run. Three strategies for dealing with weeds. 
if you're in a place of opposition, can I just challenge you? Allow the kingdom to grow in you and through you. Rather than focusing on how do I, how do I overcome the opposition, let your focus be how can I allow the kingdom of God to be manifest in me and through me. I know many times our focus is if I can just fix this person, if this person or this situation would just be taken out of my life, if it can just get pulled out, then maybe I can flourish. Hey, I want you to know the seed is powerful and it's in you. And you need to just be in the place and say, you know what? I am choosing to allow the kingdom to grow in me. I'll let the kingdom do it. Because I want you to know the seed is powerful. The seed is powerful. Secondly, in dealing with weeds, can I just encourage another thing? And that's simply this. Be patient with others. Be patient with others. Okay, this is what I find funny about this passage, because how many know that every good story has a little bit of humor in it? This is what I find funny. The angels, you know, the, the, the harvesters, come to the owner of the field and says, hey, do, do you want us to go in? It, it says that the, that the angels had a hard time discerning between what was wheat and what was weeds. And the reason we know this is because the owner's like going, listen, because they're like, hey, do you want us to pull out the weeds? And the owner's like going, yeah, that'd be great, except you may pull out some of the wheat too. So this is my question. If it's hard for angels to discern between the wheat and the weeds, what makes us think we can do any better? How, how many know God is moving in this world? The kingdom of God is a seed. It's a good seed that's been sown. And, and you know what? It, it, it may start small, but it is moving. And where the kingdom of God is, it begins to affect and impact everything around it. Does, do you know that means that every place you go, the kingdom of God in you is beginning to long to move out from you and influence and impact everything around you. And part of that impact is that there are going to be people in your world that are going to come into the kingdom of God because you are living the light of Christ. And how do you know that maybe the person that you think is a weed in your life isn't just at the place where it kind of just looks like a weed, but really is God doing something that's going to make them wheat? You seek to pull them out and then miss out. See, this is why I think we need to be patient with other people, people different than us, pe people that because you don't know how the kingdom of God might be moving in their life. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not working. Can I get witness on that one? So be patient with others. Dealing with weeds, the last thing I would note is this, is trust the owner of the field. This is the hardest one. Trust the owner of the field. Did you know that the owner of the field is not overwhelmed by the strategy of the enemy? He's not overwhelmed by it. He has confidence in what is sown and he knows a harvest is coming. We get a little bent. I mean, here get a little bent at times by the stuff around us. And we make little things big things. God is not caught off guard. He is not overwhelmed by what it is that we encounter. And the owner is not... Our God is not overwhelmed by the strategy of the enemy because he knows what he's sown. And we have to learn to trust the owner of the field. We need to trust his wisdom, that he knows what he's doing. He is not unaware, he is not unconcerned, he is not unprepared. 
And we need to learn to trust God, even in the midst of difficulty. Not only that, we have to learn to trust His timing. He's not done yet. At the end of the age, now I don't know when you want the end to be. Because I know what it's like to be in suffering or in trial or difficulty. You know, like, I want it done now. But the master says, listen, I hear that. But it's not going to be now, but I want you to know the end is coming. The end is coming. Trust me. Trust me in the difficulty. Not only that, trust his judgment. He will make everything right in the end. And as we think about this idea of judgment, you know, so, so you read the parable of the, the weeds and the wheat, and man, there, there, there's a part where it says, you know, in the end, there's going to be a whole bunch of, there's going to be people that through their life will reject God and, and the end for them, because again, nobody gets away with anything. Everybody has to give an account. That shouldn't necessarily make us joyful. Oh, I can't wait. They're getting what they deserve. It shouldn't be about, because when, when, when people hurt us, we feel a certain sort of misery, and we're like, boy, wouldn't it be great if they could feel misery too? But the way it's painted, the way everything, like, if you embrace the kingdom life, if you reject it, it says, the wheat gets burned. There's weeping, of gnashing, weeping and gnashing of teeth. And that should not elicit any joy from us, but really a desperate pray, prayer and cry for mercy. God, would you be merciful? Because even the people who hurt you are people who are dear to God. And they have a soul. They are not temporary beings. They are eternal beings. And our prayer ought to be, God, would you be gracious? God, would you allow your kingdom to come? Would you allow your will to be done? Friends, I just want you to understand that the power in us is greater than the power against us. The power in us. And maybe you're dealing with some stuff. I want you to know the power in you is greater than the power against you. And you need to remind yourself of that. And you need to allow the kingdom to grow. This is why we pray. Jesus taught his followers to pray, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. God, begin it in me. Let's bow our heads. Father, you love us and you are good. And Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you that you are working to bring life to us and through us. That you care desperately about your people. You care desperately about your creation. And Father, would you help us, Lord, as, as we follow you to manage our expectations rightly? To recognize that, Lord, that that which you've sown in our life is powerful. And God, would you grant confidence in our hearts in what has been planted, even as it is in your heart. Father, we pray that God, in those times where we're wrestling with opposition, God, instead of reflecting the tension, God, I pray that we would begin to reflect the kingdom. God, would you help us? Lord, I thank you that, Lord, ultimately it's your kingdom that prevails. And so, God, we look to you. And just while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, how, how many would just simply say, you know what, this is a message I need to hear. Maybe, maybe you're wrestling with some opposition. Maybe, maybe you're in some tense situation. You're saying, you know what, I just need God's grace to meet me this morning. That's you. I just want to pray with you. Could you just raise your hand? Do I see those hands? See those hands, those ones. Thank you, thank you. Father, you see these hands. These are your children that you care so deeply about. And Father, I speak favor and I speak faith even now in Jesus' name. Lord, 
I pray for a peace that begins to pass understanding. Lord, I thank you that your kingdom will come, Lord, that it is growing. May it grow in them. And God, as we wait, Lord, as we wait for you to make right and make good, I pray that you would give each of these courage, strength, and peace. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives and through our lives we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. God is good, isn't he? All right. I'm done. God, praise Jesus. But don't forget, that which is in you is greater than that which is against you. In a moment, we're all going to leave this place. And some of you are going to run up into some opposition. Just remember, that which is in you is greater than that which is against you. Hey, as you go, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. Lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Hey, go in his strength and his might. Hug a few necks on the way out. Don't forget to keep our missions team in prayer. And uh, check out Facebook and you can see some of the stuff. So, hey, we'll see you all soon. God bless.